previously on Little Bit Leave It. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, my podcasting partner and partner in life, Becca. Hey, hey, we are recording this on Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to all you motherfuckers out there. You do realize that by the time people will be hearing this, I think it will be July. I don't think that erases babies, though. You're right. That will not erase the babies. So yeah, we're recording this on Father's Day, and we are going to be talking about Love Island UK Season 6, Episode 29. We have got the second half of our interview with Worldwide Casting, so that will be fun. And we are, of course, going to talk about outfits. We've got a little bit of culture shock for you. I think it's going to be a great episode. It's going to be a lot. There's a lot that goes on tonight. Yeah, this was another jam-packed episode of Love Island UK. I think we need to get right into it. So we are picking up after the news splash has wiped out the good feelings in the villa, and we have a very somber mood this evening. Yeah, this episode starts with a lot of quick cuts. The various aggrieved parties are complaining to their friends, giving us a taste of what's to come. But let's just launch right into them. First up, Shawnice and Luke T. Yeah, Shawnice is upset and she is reading a lot into Luke T's transgression of telling all the guys that they got naked together in the hideaway. I don't think she's reading too much into it at all. It is exactly what it is. She says that that was a special thing for me and you. It wasn't for everybody. I felt comfortable enough to do that with you. And did you really need to broadcast that? And Luke T is incredibly thoughtful about the whole thing. Yeah, well, I don't think that she's wrong in any sense. I agree with 100% of what you just said. The only part where I said she reads a little too much into it is when she says, well, if he's telling people about this, what else could he be telling them about? And I think that is, you know, jumping to conclusions a little bit. Well, if they are to make toast in the next couple of episodes, which I think could have been on the horizon, she's concerned that with a little bit more peer pressure, he will be telling them the whole process of toast making. And I can't blame her. She is the one person from this cast who has said, I wouldn't do it again had I not met Luke T. I didn't do this to be famous and I'm not in love with the fame. Yeah, again, I completely agree with everything she says, everything you say. I think, though, that it's not just about perspectively looking forward. When I heard what she said, I also got a tinge of, are there any other transgressions that this might indicate? And I just thought that was going a little bit too far but I think they both handled it really maturely yeah Luke T flat out says that he didn't know her boundary around it before but now that he does he's going to respect it and that sweetheart Luke T wraps the whole thing up with a bow in the beach hut where he says she was right she told me off and I liked it I know we found out Luke T really likes it when Shawnee's yells at him oh yeah so who knows what mischief Luke T may get up to just to see Shawnee's get a little bit sassy. Speaking of sassy. Yeah, this one did not go very well. This one did not go in the direction Mike had hoped. 
Yeah, Mike and Priscilla. Mike tries to explain that he's always been sincere with her, but, you know, ultimately she's just really bothered by being the fourth girl that he's liked on the show and she is doubting him. He tries to explain Leanne that she ended up not liking him. He explains Jess that they got interrupted by Casa Amor. He explains to Priscilla that he really likes her. He doesn't even mention Sophie. He brushes right by the whole Sophie thing, which I thought was a little shady, but I'm not mad. Priscilla's mad, but I'm not mad. Yeah, he kind of brushed by the Jess thing, too, if you really think about it. But I don't think that Mike is lying here. No, I don't think Mike is lying. And I love Priscilla's self-confidence. I am the shit. I am second to nobody. He's either here or he's not. Right. She tells Mike, look, you know, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, but you need to make me feel special again. She's going to make him work hard as we see throughout the episode. This is a big iceberg in their path. Although there is a little bit of a thaw when they hug at the end of the conversation and she begrudgingly compliments his jacket. Yeah, I did like that. Another guy who's going to have to work a bit harder than he had previously thought is Finn. Paige and Finn head down to the fire pit. I think this is absolutely absurd. Well, we know it's absurd. Right? You and I know that. Finn knows that. I think at her core, yes, Paige knows that. But she makes the point that Finn was in the same headline as Callum and Nas, who both came back with girls. It's in black and white. How is it not true? But Paige should know the absolute crap that is UK tabloids, should she not? We know, and we're not even from the UK. She's probably been in the tabloids for years, especially dating Louis Capaldi. How does she not know that this is a total pile of horse crap? First of all, it's a very fraught and emotionally tense situation, and I can see how she's maybe not being quite rational. But still, given that all of these different girls came back from Casa Amor and backed up Finn's version of events, I don't know. As we were watching it, I did say, I wonder how much of this is real versus how much of this is fake and staged by the producers. The conversation between Paige and Finn? Yeah, like how much of the reaction was genuine versus how much is it them being coached to play it up. But I actually came away from it thinking that it was fairly genuine because I don't think Paige is that great of an actor. And the way that she spoke to Finn as they left the fire pit made me think that her feelings were actually genuine, that she believed what she was saying. Oh, that she was proud of herself for not dousing him in wine? The producers just did a really great job exploiting her anxiety. I have to give Finn a lot of credit here. He never gets defensive. He never gets emotional. He just keeps sticking by his original point and gently but firmly saying, I did nothing wrong. I did nothing I regret. I stayed 100% true to you. And that's that. Yeah, no, Finn really does an outstanding job. And honestly, so does Callum in his conversation with Molly. Yeah, let's talk about that. Callum defends himself and says, no, he is not about to cheat on her. He's not set to cheat. But Molly really does interrogate him quite a bit. Well, I thought two points and a zinger for Molly. Of course, he has no history of cheating because he has no history with girlfriends. Right. You know, that was very clever of her. She's very witty. But Callum does say when he was hooking up with someone, he wasn't hooking up with multiple people at once. So he doesn't have a history of 
philandering. Yeah, but Molly really is just pointing out that Callum has cooled on her. At least that's her perception. Or he's taking her for granted was how I read that. Yeah, it cooled on her the last few days, at least. And especially since they even got back to the villa, she said. So going back, I guess, a week now. I guess that would explain some of her oogling Jamie. Yeah, yeah. It just sounds like there has been a lack of communication between the two of them. And a lack of affection. I don't know about lack of affection. I think that they do really like each other. I think that they're both a little bit insecure that she thought that he was maybe cooling on her and she started to withdraw a little bit because of that and he picked up on that. And so maybe he did start to feel a bit insecure himself. So I think it was just a kind of a negative feedback loop that was going on and on. And I think by the end of this conversation... Oh, it's very clear that they've taken a new step. This is the only one of these conversations that ended with kisses and hugs. Well, Priscilla and Mike had a really awkward cold hug, but this was the only one that ended on a higher note than it began. Oh, yeah. By the end, Callum has convinced Molly that he really does like her. So I thought this went really well. Next up, we get one of the weirdest scenes I think we've ever seen on Love Island. Yeah, we didn't mention this at the top, but this episode contains a number of what I consider iconic moments from this season. I forgot they're all concentrated in this one episode. Well, this one is not in the top 10, but maybe it should be. Have you ever seen a live birth? So Demi asks Luke M if he has ever seen a live birth, and then she follows it up with a graphic description of the video of a live birth that she watched on YouTube. I thought the head was the worst, but it was the shoulders. Oh. Yeah, that is one of the all-time great quotes from this season, certainly and potentially all of Love Island. And then she follows that up by asking him whether he would eat an umbilical cord for 10,000 pounds. Hell, he would do it for 1,000 pounds. Yeah, wow. Uh, Then she follows that up by asking whether he was breastfed as an infant. Well, she makes the debunked claim that breastfed infants are smarter. They are not. Yeah. There are a whole host of confounding variables that may have led to people getting that picture, but it's wrong, wrong, wrong. These people need reproductive education. Good Lord. Also telling here is that Demi tells Luke M, oh, you must have been breastfed because you know, you're so smart. So there you go. And ever humble Luke says, maybe a little. He says maybe he was breastfed too much. I'm not sure what that means. Like he's too smart for his own good or just like a certain point, the breast milk turns your brain to mush. I don't know. But the two of them look awfully cozy. Yep, and Shauna is sitting nearby with Paige and Finn, and she is watching Demi and Luke this entire time. And she has no right to be pissed about it. She is pranging away to Paige and Finn. She's not wrong. If Demi can get to know Jamie, she has every right to get to know Luke M, but she's worried that she missed the boat, and she may be right on that one too. Yeah, it also sometimes feels like she is trying to convince all of us, herself, the other islanders, that she does actually really, in fact, like Luke. Paige gives her a kick in the butt, tells her, you gotta go talk to Demi first. Yeah. Get out of my sight. Go do it. Yeah. And to her credit, Shauna starts making things happen. Oh, boy. Shauna makes mad moves. Yep. First, she pulls Demi. And in another iconic moment from the season in this episode, 
Demi, trying to navigate the wooden deck in heels, does a fantastic faceplant. Luckily, she's okay. The whole villa is erupting in hyena laughter, except two people. Mike, ever the gentleman, comes over to help her. And Priscilla watches Mike do this and glares daggers at him. Priscilla is not impressed by Mike's chivalry, which is a little disappointing. But, you know, I'm proud of Mike for doing the right thing and not laughing at this poor girl. Yeah, good for Mike. Luke M also looks a little too amused for my taste. Yeah. Now, this only briefly delays the conversation that is inevitable where Shauna tells Demi her feelings about Luke. And Demi looks so disappointed. Honestly, I don't know why Demi looks at Shauna like such competition, but it's very clear that Demi feels threatened, even though she tells Shauna that they're going to be friends no matter what, that Shauna should go ahead and talk to him and what will be will be. And she also reveals to Shauna in this conversation that she really only has eyes for Luke M., at this point, that like Shauna, Demi has found Jamie to be a nice guy, but not her cup of tea, not a bit of her, as the saying would go. I'm a little disappointed that Shauna doesn't like Jamie. I thought they had really good bands. I thought they had good chemistry. I also will say this for Shauna. According to the unwritten rules of Love Island, Shauna is doing this the exact right way. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, definitely. As she was processing this whole thing, she did keep it to her closest friends, Mike and Paige. She didn't run around the villa with it. So yes, Shauna is doing this absolutely the right way. A little too late, but yes. Yep. She told Mike and Paige. Mike and Paige guided her to do the right thing. She talked to Demi before she talked to Luke. And that's where we are now. She decides that she now needs to pull Luke M. Actually, Shauna doesn't decide that. Shauna goes back to Paige and Paige says, okay, go. You just talked to Demi. You can't do that and not talk to Luke. And Shauna very, very sheepishly goes to talk to Luke M. And she is panic stricken. Do you think it's fake though? I think it's a little fake. Yeah, I also think that this comes across as a bit inauthentic. Although Shauna does lead off with a fantastic quote, Luke M senses there's obviously something amiss and he's prodding her to tell him. Shauna is fidgeting and she says, this is the worst day of my life. I'd rather talk to Callum and Molly about my feelings. Shauna tells Luke M that she has caught feelings for him. Luke M says, oh, over the last couple of days. And she says, no, more like a few weeks. That means that she is claiming that she actually started falling for Luke M when she was still with Callum. No, I thought she said that she first noticed him after things with Natalia didn't work out. In this conversation, she says that her feelings started a few weeks ago. I wouldn't hold them so tight to the concept of time. I don't know. Time has seemed so squishy since we've been in lockdown, even though we've had newspapers and cell phones and days passing. I can only imagine how squishy time is when you're in the villa, which was like a true quarantine lockdown. So I think that what this is, is evidence that it's fake. That Shauna doesn't actually like Luke M because she can't get the timeline straight because she also says to Demi that during the snog Mary Pie, how she was disappointed when Luke M did not pick her to marry. 
right? Because she doesn't want to be accused. You're just going after Luke M to stay on the show and to win the money. And especially after Newsplash revealed that the public really wanted Luke M and Shauna to couple up. That's an accusation she really does not want. So how does she deflect that? She says, oh, my feelings for him actually are weeks old. And I just kind of never realized, but they've been there the whole time, which then of course contradicts all of the drama around Callum and how much she liked him so again I think she's lying about this stuff all we're left with is that Shauna has just unburdened herself of a huge weight and Luke M is sort of lukewarm about carrying it he is very aware of who he is he says she's described multiple times the kind of guy she's interested in and who she goes for and none of those guys are me I am not her type so I'm not really sure where she's coming from yeah he's confused He's skeptical. His head is scrambled as he says, we will have to see what happens. Meanwhile, Demi is lightening her load to Shawnee's. Another classic moment. Demi reveals to Shawnee's what Sean has been up to. We get a stunned silence from Shawnee's and then a golden perfect what yeah this is definitely one of the most popular gifs from season six along with demi falling of course wait it's gif uh i've always known it as gif well i'm sorry but the nerds on the internet have told me that since it's graphic it's gif yeah graphic uh what is it graphic interlace file is the original interlace file i believe or interlace format graphic interlace format so yeah i guess if you're coming from that perspective i understand why people call it a gif but i have been dealing with gifs since the early 90s when they were static images and didn't contain animations and we always called them gifs as kids well sorry if i had a life as a kid also sorry you don't know what it stands for it's graphics interchange format oh yeah i said graphics interlace format now, yeah, to graphics be fair, interchange format not graphic image file you said graphic image file i'm not a nerd i don't know computer stuff and i don't like superheroes so i'm not a nerd well i am gonna call it gif i'm gonna call them peanut butters do you call them giraffes yes and gorillas okay so demi and shanice Shanice is very suspicious and does tell Demi that just because Shauna likes Luke, it doesn't mean that Luke will reciprocate. Don't sell yourself short, Demi. No, but Demi needs to tell Luke M straight up, I like you. I don't like Jamie. Let's do this thing. And Demi has not been forthcoming enough to keep Luke hooked. Luke, whose head is spinning, pulls Luke for a Luke conference. And they don't even get one. No, because Demi, thankfully, interrupts, steals Luke M away, and I'm really hopeful that this is going to be the moment she tells him the things that she needs to tell him. Not quite, though. Yeah, not quite, but almost, I would say. Yeah, she wants to carry on like the Shauna thing didn't happen. It sounds like he does too. But again, she doesn't actually say flat out that he's the only one she's interested in. She just like can't seem to take that step. Even though she's just out and out said it to Shauna, she can't say it to the one person who needs to hear it. Yeah, it's a real shame. So the night wraps up. Shawnee and Luke T seem to be making up. Paige and Finn seem to be making up. Priscilla is breaking Mike's balls. So it's the next morning and there is a little conversation between Shawnee and Luke T. 
This could have very easily gotten lost amid all the big moments from this episode, but this to me is one of the most important relationship moments in the whole in the whole season. Shanice and Luke T reflect on their argument from the day before. They are proud of themselves. Nobody yelled. Nobody talked over one another. They both listened to one another and they have come away stronger than ever. And that's really important when you're building a relationship that is going to go the distance. I was really heartened by this conversation. You can really tell that they're in it to win it. And I don't mean the game. Meanwhile, Luke M is having a little bit of quiet reflection to himself, but soon he is joined by Luke T, Mike, and Finn for a little breakfast club meeting. For the last breakfast club meeting. Potentially. As Luke T is no longer allowed to talk about breakfast, Mike is no longer getting breakfast, and quite frankly, Luke M is now getting two breakfasts. Potentially. Potentially. So the Breakfast Club has taken on a new tone. Luke M does say he's going to give Shauna a chance. And then soon he pulls her. Much to her surprise. She did not actually expect him to do anything about this. They get to know each other. We get to know that Luke is a Star Wars baby. Yeah, he was born on May the 4th. And named after Luke Skywalker. And, you know, I really have to hand it to Luke M. He asks Shauna about her family. Luke M manages to get himself in real conversations that you would want to get into when you're starting to date somebody. Yeah, how boring. Why are you showing this to us, Love Island? We get some tragic Shauna backstory. Her dad passed in 2016. It does cast an extra sympathetic light on why she was trying to win the money for her mom. Yep. It's funny that Sean is into older guys, but not Jamie, that Luke M is 24, about to turn 25, and that's good enough. Speaking of older guys and younger girls, there's a little conversation between Jamie and Natalia, of all people, and she shows him a little bit of underboob. Yeah, well, that's after they talk about Jamie's mullet. Yes. They talk about tragic hairdos. She flashes the underboob. I think she's feigning interest in him, personally. No, I think she's more interested in him than she was in Luke. We never heard her say anything of any consequence or show any boob to Luke M. So Jamie's already winning it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no question that she likes him a lot more than Luke M. But that's kind of like saying I like canned tuna fish more than eating cat barf. I still don't want canned tuna fish. Well, okay then. So Jamie does like Natalia, but he's still considering Demi. Jamie also has no idea that Demi is no longer interested. And he pulls her, the wee cornflake, for a chat and some pointless flirting. I can't even wrap my head around that conversation. It was so weird and pointless. Yeah. I don't know. It was very clear that there's nothing of any substance there. No. And soon enough, we've got a text. Thank God, because I could not have watched that any longer. It's a recoupling and a girl is going home. That evening, Shauna tells Jamie that she's into Luke M and not him, which is a poor strategic move on Shauna's part, I think. Terrible strategery, but a kindness. She doesn't want Jamie to waste his time with her, and Jamie wasn't interested in her anymore anyway, so I don't think she was in much danger of being chosen by him, but it was a kind, considerate thing to do. You don't think there was any chance that Jamie might have chosen her? I think she was a slim third. Yeah, at this point, just because we've seen him talk to Demi and Natalia more recently. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that because from that perspective, what Shauna did is smart strategically and really focusing in on an opportunity with Luke M. 
and really going for it. I'm of the mind that if Shauna, maybe at this point it's too late, but if Shauna had for the last couple of days really laid it on thick with Jamie, that he probably would have chosen her. I think there was a point a couple days ago where she was still the favorite. Oh, definitely. But she took herself out of the running days ago. Yeah. She should have made the switch to Luke M then, though, and not waited till the last second and been so sheepish about it. Natalia makes a very genuine seeming pitch to Jamie to pick her. I appreciated it. I appreciated how straightforward and personable she was. She almost seemed human. Almost. I mean, I still think she's faking it. I think that she plays it well. She understands that she has a legit shot at getting Jamie to pick her. Demi also knows her butt's on the line. So she makes one more pitch to Luke M. She finally tells him straight out that she likes him. But again, she should have also said, I'm not interested in Jamie. I'm no longer considering him. Even though they just had a really pointless, stupid flirt, which she should probably also stop doing. And maybe she will after this shakes out if she ends up with Luke M. Yep. So it is time to go to the fire pit and everybody is lined up. And that's where the episode ends. Oh, man, I can't wait till next episode. Can't wait. Shauna, Demi and Natalia are all fighting for two spots. And we shall see who is victorious and who is hashtag gone girl. All right. So that wraps up the episode. And let us now hear a brief word from our sponsor. This September, when the kids head back to school, the grown-ups are heading to Friend Island. That's right. The hit reality competition show from the United Kingdom is crossing the pond. And we're welcoming eight islanders to the Friend Island Bunkhouse. Hi, uh, I'm Jessica. Uh, I'm 34. Hi, my name is Kyle, and there's three things to know about me. I like deals, I like music, and I like Jesus Christ. Hi, my name is Karen, and I am a lifestyle blogger. My name is uh, Andy. I am Uncle Terry. Uh, I do like to party with the lights on because I'm scared of the dark. <laughs> That's a little joke. Hi, my name's Trevor. Um, I work uh, down at the docks. Hey, uh, hey everybody, I'm Jeff, uh, middle school band teacher. <laughs> the drama is intense as eight lonely damaged adults try to find meaningful connections and learn about themselves through learning about others. Wait, stick out your tongue. What? No. Stick out your tongue, Jeff. Did you what? lick it? Did what? you? Uh, uh, watch awkward antisocial buffoons as they train themselves in the fundamentals of human interaction. Who wants deviled eggs? Uncle Terry style. Hmm. Oh my god, I would love deviled eggs. Thank you, Uncle Terry. You're welcome. I'll have some deviled eggs. There you go, Andy. Well, thank you. We'll have ridiculous games, heart-pounding challenges, and tearful confessions. One thing we won't have one ounce of romance. This isn't love island, this is friend island, you know? This September, there's only one place to stream Friend Island US, and that's on Miranda. And there's only one official podcast for Friend Island US, and that's Little Bit Leave It. Hey guys, who's ready to have some fun, huh? Let's be friends! 
Thank you for listening to Little Bit Leave It. You can, of course, subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And you can also support us on Patreon if you really, really like the podcast. We got some cool stuff starting at just $2 per month. Patreon.com slash Little Bit Leave It. And now for part two of our interview with Kathy and Joel of Worldwide Casting. I want to go back for a moment to the changing nature of how people get cast on these shows and also something that you guys said about finding people who are not the normal reality show contestants. Yeah. You know, we're a Love Island UK podcast. We like lots of different reality shows. First, we know you're casting for The Circle right now. Mm -hmm. We joked when we were watching the international versions of The Circle, including the first U.S. season, as well as Brazil and France, is they essentially had the same cast in all three countries, just with people speaking different languages. Yeah. The U.K. seasons, though, are a little bit more sophisticated in how they approach casting. When you're talking to producers and you're looking at those criteria, are there shows that are saying, okay, we want a very specific type of person. We want somebody who is really into sports and they're a weightlifter. And hey, if they're not too smart, that that's good yeah. too. We want a bro. We want a hot girl. We want a very flamboyant, proud gay man. Like we want the fat lady. Because it seems like they kind of all fall into the same... Cookie cutter, not cookie cutters. That sounded negative. I love seeing all different kinds of people. Archetypes. Archetypes, thank you. Because I think the circle in a lot of shows would be sadder if everyone was carbon copies of each other. Yeah, to take the example of the circle on Netflix is who's producing that one. Yeah, basically you guys are right on the money. Yes. In terms of, for that example, like I was just thinking if I was the businessman behind all of those kind of decisions about what's going to be done on these shows, then I would look at that first season in the US for The Circle and how successful it was. And I'd be like, oh, well, that's the formula that works. So let's copy that in these other countries as we license that out to make sure that it works. So that happens across a lot of different shows where you know they see the formula that works. And well, that's kind of the problem, but also that is what they yeah. do because it does come down to money profits, shareholders, whatnot. So they see what works and they worked hard to see what that formula is and then that is duplicated. So the different types of people, yeah, we get requested all the time for different types of people, but they know who it is that they're looking for ultimately, but we're the ones who provide them the options of the real people who fit that criteria. And I think it was in the circle US season one, didn't Shubham say he wished there were more older people? And then in season two, there were lots of different age ranges. You know, that is true. They started to make, they started to have more age diversity in the show. Are there different thoughts and approaches to casting in the different types of reality shows? Say the competition shows versus the romantic competition shows versus home versus yeah, the home improvement shows. Or do they all have that kind of approach where we say, oh, these are the types of people that we want for this 
this show? Kind of like an overall kind of answer to that. I would go with, it depends on the type of show that it is because there's different criteria that meet for those different shows. And what they're thinking of is the audience for those specific types of shows. So the people who are watching for, let's say, Yama Fix My Life or a home improvement show or something, the story is very important. Whereas physical appearance and whatnot wouldn't be such a big factor as opposed to the story of these people. But then on the flip side, if you're doing a dating show, physical appearance is a big, bigger deal for that kind of a show. And the story is not so important or the intelligence level may not be so important. So it really depends on the audience of that show, what they're expecting to see and what's going to make them happy and watch it continuously. Sometimes we can even influence some of the choices that they make, too, because since we're dealing directly with the people, we could see ourselves wow, if this person and this person was on the show, got on the show, and then we added this person in, the audience would really like that, right? And, and so we're able to, to throw in some people and say, look, we know these aren't the kind of people that you were looking for or you were asking for, but here's why we wanted to submit them and we'll make a special note. And that kind of opens it up for them a little bit sometimes. So... When you're doing the casting, that's also what we're trying to remember is, hey, this is going, all these people are going to be on the same show. Let's let's mix things up in an interesting way for them so that maybe it wouldn't be something they were thinking about right now, but when they see them and then they think about them being on with these other people, it makes sense to them. And they say, that's a good idea. We're going to consider that. So Sometimes even the people they're looking for wind up not being the people that we might choose. We might choose someone else mixed in, right? So it's fun in that way. With including a more diverse array of people, obviously that's the way the world's going. I think that's the way TV's going, but it could always be improved. It sounds like you're putting in who you feel are the best people for the job. Are you noticing more calls for a wider diversity of you know sizes shapes etc i think it depends on the show again like joel was saying the dating shows they look for a really specific kind of person they want the hot guy he's got this and the hot girl has got that and and the same goes over and over and over they keep those shows pretty straightforward but again these are the kinds of things that you know over time, but they are diversifying in certain ways. I think it's really what their audience starts to request too. The audience yeah. gives them input here and there, and sometimes that can shape the show. Okay, Twitter warriors, you heard it. Get your favorite, get the producers of your favorite shows to get more people that you wanna see. Maybe it'll work. Yeah, or tell us and then we can put it together and say, hey, look, all these people have been telling us this. You should listen to them. I was just thinking of Patty, who won the Circle UK Circle season two. He was, you know, a gay man with cerebral palsy. And it was kind of a new thing, not only to see, but then he won. And he didn't win because of who he loves. He didn't win because of his glam sticks. He won because he was a funny, smart, friendly guy. But it was really nice to see him. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm sure that was one of those things where that could have been influenced by the casting. They might have said, look, I know this guy doesn't fit your criteria, but he's amazing. And take a look at him. That's why we always tell people, don't hesitate on applying to something. 
because you really don't know. We're going to see if there's something in there that you think is your unique trait, tell us so that we'll have that. And then we can say, look, they may not fit in the in the box here, but they fit in a certain way. And here's why we think they do. And that is Kathy's superpower is people <laughs> and like who those people actually are. Like when she's doing the interviews with these people, depending on the project we're working on, they might request that we do interviews with them, video, and then send in these recordings. And when Kathy is doing those, it is amazing to watch because how well she knows people, different types of people, what they're going through in their life, what their struggles are, who they actually are as a person. It's amazing to watch because she's able to pull those out of them in, in the best way that anybody really could understand somebody. She's great at that. I mean, when they're like, we did this show a long time ago. It was a show about people who were trying to find their parents who'd been adopted, but they had never been able to find them. So going through the traditional channels that they were going through, they just weren't able to find them. So, but the producers and the, and the people behind the show could put in more money behind it and really go in there. And a lot of times they were able to find their people. Then if they fit the criteria for the show and they got on the show, then, you know, they would already know in advance that they were going to be able to find their parents. And it's amazing because when I was talking to these people, their stories, I mean, I would just be like crying with them because it was like, whoa, that has really made a huge impact on your life. And and I feel where you're coming from. And then they would just open up even more. And so it's that kind of thing, it's just connecting with the people. I think that's the biggest thing to really relate to what it is and put yourself in their shoes. And ultimately, yeah, I mean, ultimately, that's what the audience is trying to do when they're watching the shows, too, in a lot of ways. Exactly. Yeah, that is a big point right there. That's the whole thing. If you if the people can relate to the people or imagine themselves like what would they do? That's how they keep their audience happy right? because they're just right there with them. They're sharing their life with them. And it's and that's what makes it work. That's what makes reality shows work. You know, that's actually one of the things that I think about Love Island UK and Love Island, the Love Island franchise in general, why it has become so popular, especially since the pandemic began 14, 15, 16 months ago, depending on where in the world you are. Just that Love Island gives people a little bit more of an in-depth look at people's personalities because they're releasing an episode based on every 24 hours as opposed to every 72 hours or every 96 hours or every week or whatever uh, it might be on, on other shows. Another thing about Love Island UK that I wanted to definitely bring up with you guys, because you guys are the experts, we've noticed that on Love Island UK over the years, the way they've casted the show has really changed. The first season featured one or two people who had some modeling experience, right? But apart from that, oh, there was a guy who was kind of a unknown professional cricket player. Is that right? Yeah, they have a lot of half-hearted athletes. So they had those three people were the closest that you could say, you know, closest to celebrities. And in the more recent years, 
we're seeing people who are the siblings or children of people who are already famous or the ex-boyfriends or ex-girlfriends of famous celebrities. Whereas those original casts applied, a lot of those people applied to the show. We know that the last couple of years, only one or two out of the 20 odd people who get cast are actually going through the application process on Love Island UK. Most of them are being scouted and they're being scouted by PR teams um, that are independent or by the show's producers themselves. And now we're also seeing people, there's a amateur boxer in the UK who is, I am convinced, getting his media team to spread rumors that he has already been cast on the next season in order to maybe raise expectations and oh maybe get people excited and put some pressure on the producers to actually cast him. So that is a very long-winded way of asking you, do you see yourselves increasingly competing with PR agencies, with agents who are representing people who are specifically trying to get on shows and feel like they have an angle? Um, are you seeing any changes about how these shows are cast in general? That's a good question. Um, they're, the agents are just looking more at, say, an individual that they have. And the chances of them influencing that uh, probably wouldn't be that high to some degree because they're an agent and they're looking at what an agent would look at and they're thinking this person they want to promote this person, but they may not be great for reality. Again, it, it takes a really specific person. They don't want any actors or models or specific types that are trained unless that's what they're looking for in a certain thing. So I would say, no, they don't have, from my opinion, wouldn't you say that's probably the case? I would say from the way I would look at it, they, they really wouldn't be able to influence as much as they might think they could just because of the people that they're looking for, the types of people. The agents are generally promoting someone that has a specific talent as opposed to what are they like in their real life. I think it also is influenced and kind of changes for which show it is that this example would be for. So I'm kind of just going off of what I might do in that situation right now, which is like, if there's a show that's kind of struggling with the numbers that they're seeing come in for it, viewership and whatnot, and they want to think, they might be thinking, okay, we got to give our audience a bit of a boost here so that we can keep on doing the show and sell it next season. So one of the ways that we have seen over the years that they do that is instead of going for a complete unknown, who's a question mark, they don't know how the audience totally will react to this person. Let's go with someone who's more of a sure bet and who already has some kind of a social media following or who has a famous brother or sister that already comes with a guaranteed audience because they just put it to their followers, to their whoever's following them. Hey, you gotta watch me on the show tonight. That's going to boost their audience that they know and guaranteed is going to happen. So that definitely has played a factor in who that they bring on the shows. But ultimately, for the real, real people who are on these shows that don't have a social media following that's huge, that don't have a famous brother or sister, the process is relatively the same, and which is expensive for them to do because you're pulling from pools of tens of thousands, if not more people, and you're looking for 
one person who's going to go on that show. It's crazy. It is a big process, definitely. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, especially, Kathy, what you were saying about how an agent is only looking to promote a specific person, whether or not they are the right person for the show. Whereas you guys are a little bit more objective, I would guess. Well, we're looking, we're really looking for what it is they want us to find them. And we're trying to find those diamonds that we know are going to make them go, wow, this person is amazing. You guys found like exactly what we're looking for. They're hiring us and that's what we're being paid to do. So we really take it real seriously and we really, really focus in. And like I said, if we find the odd person that we know isn't necessarily what they're looking for, but then we put ourselves in the producer's shoes and we still want to submit them, then we submit them on their own and give them the reason why we're doing it. So even if they don't necessarily fit, they could fit in the bigger picture and it would take it, take the show and spin it in a certain way. And that can have a big impact on the show too, because they're taking something out of the ordinary and they're putting it in the mix. And sometimes that really works. And sometimes they're like, no, 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 we want to just stick to this. At least there's people out there, you know, there's people out there like us that are looking for something different and can potentially have an influence. And, give the underdog who's not going to have a chance a chance so yeah we're like that See, that's who kathy is she is in it for everybody really i mean i would want somebody if i were going to do something like that and i was interested in doing something like that i would want somebody to notice a unique thing about me that i thought was really something that they might be interested in and we do take note of that right because you never know Again, big thanks to Kathy and Joel. You can go to worldwide-casting.com and check out everything that they are casting right now. Get your ass on TV so we can tweet about you. That would be fun to have some of our listeners on TV. Well, I'm telling you, I have some big projects in the works right now, but after they all finish, I'm going to start applying for stuff. I should still be pretty in a year, hopefully. I hope so. Wow. Wow. Of course you will be, honey. You'll be pretty for many, many, many years. And there are lots of shows you don't need to be pretty for. Maybe we'll get on a house renovation show and they'll do our driveway for us. That would not be the worst thing, though. I don't think there is a house renovation show that focuses on driveways. Will they fix the crack under the washing machine? (laughs) Unsexy home renovation show. ITV12, call us. Okay. Let's do a little bit of culture shock. Luke M. and Shauna mention their parents' names. And Luke's parents' names are Jeff and Denise. Those are such parent names, by the way. And then Shauna says, unbelievable scenes, Jeff, which is a strange thing to say. And so he said, huh, that must be a cultural reference that we do not understand. Either that or Jeff and Denise have an OnlyFans. (laughs) Yeah. Or there is something else going on. And turns out that unbelievable scenes jeff or unbelievable jeff is the catchphrase of chris kamara a sportscaster on sky sports in the uk and there's an anchor named jeff and he often throws it to chris kamara 
says, hey, what's going on over at that soccer match or football match? And he says, it's unbelievable, Jeff. And so that's where that comes from. Is it something he says numerous times or just like one? Oh, yeah. You can just look on YouTube. There are video compilations of him just saying unbelievable, Jeff, over and over again. There's a whole meme in the UK. Unbelievable, Jeff. Oh, cool. I wonder if Jeff McIntyre knows about that. I don't know. We'll have to ask him the next time he buys an ad on the show. Now I think it's time for us to talk about fashion. It is defo time for the TNA report. The TNA report. And we have Buku fashion for you today. Now, because my notes are chronological, chronological, we shall go. The first night, we've got Priscilla looking fine as always in a pink ribbed. I think it's a cohort. It's definitely long. Maybe it's a long dress. Her moto jacket and some big earrings. She compliments Mike's outfit at the end of their little reconciliation. And it's dark and Mike is wearing all black. So it was hard to see all the details. Oh, it's kind of like leather and different fabrics. I thought it looked like he was in Mission Impossible. I thought it was cool. I could see the jacket and it was cool. And we're going to take Priscilla's word for the rest of the outfit since she obviously knows how to dress. So cool outfit, Mike. We've got Demi in the white peasant blouse and the pink skirt and the heels of death. I thought she looked really cute. A very pleasant lack of spangles and fringes. And disappointingly, Shawnee's in another sad green sack. Yeah, it looks like she's wearing a silk robe or something. She looks beautiful in green. It's so complimentary to her fair skin and dark hair, but she needs some shape. It doesn't have to be clingy. It doesn't have to be bodycon. With a tall, skinny figure, you can get away with looser silhouettes. But the ones she chooses specifically are not cute. So, Shawnice and another swing and a miss. Daytime. Well, hold on, hold on. Oh, I still have some a couple on that first night. I would also say on the plus side, I liked Shauna, her whole outfit for all the drama that she was causing with her black tank top and black skirt with the denim jacket. And I thought her makeup was also killer that night. And on the flip side, I'd say I did not like Natalia's leopard print peasant blouse. Agreed. So daytime, I've got two banging bikinis. I loved Shauna's gold and silver bikini. It was like a gold base with silver sequins. And Demi's jeweled bikini with the piece and the cleavage, that was phenomenal. Both rivals looking delightful. We're going to cover the recoupling fashion in more detail next episode, but I did want to mention that while they're in the dressing room, Jamie puts on a pair of jeans that are way too tight. It looks like me in skinny jeans after a three-course meal, just about to bust the F out. And I do want to make a quick shout out to Ched's plaid pants making an appearance. Again, those rule. So the few outfits that I did notice, Shauna and Natalia both making pitches, looking super sexy in red dresses. Yeah. And again, Shauna's makeup is just really outstanding. Demi picks another tasteful dress, uh, black with the rhinestones. Yeah. And the matching earrings. I thought that was cool, too. I noticed that. I saw a couple of negatives, but I want to get a better look before I spill the tea. Oh, you mean Shawnee's wearing a yellow sheet this time instead of a green one? 
Yeah, and there's something wrong with what Jess is wearing, but I couldn't see it well enough to put my finger on exactly what. Well, we will have to dissect that a bit more in our next episode when we cover the rest of the recoupling. With episodes with so many quick cuts, it's really hard to get an idea of the full look. But with the recoupling, they stand still for longer. So we'll get a better idea of what exactly is going on. With that, I do believe it is time to... Oh, no, no, no. There is a feature that I'm sure in our next season that we cover, if we cover season three or season one, we will be using it all the time, which is the bad cover alert. We have used it once before, but in season six, they have a very high music budget. And so we don't get many of these. The bad cover of Toxic by Britney Spears, the soft piano cover is really bad. Yeah, the music this season has been banging. I have found myself dancing on the couch, seated, on numerous occasions, but I know that it wasn't like that in prior seasons, so... Yeah, basically as the show goes on, the music budget gets much, much higher and the music gets a lot better as the show goes on. Five had pretty good music too. Yeah, so when we get to season three, which I believe is what's going to happen after season seven, get ready. Yeah, so that's our bad cover alert. And now it is time... To do that thing we do. Eat snacks. No, let's rank the couples. All right. Should we go out of order today? Out of order? Okay. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Let's go top to bottom or bottom to top today? Bottom to top. Let's save the first place couple for a little surprise. Okay. Coming in at number seven. It's a short list today. Only number seven. It's Jamie and Natalia. Yeah, Jamie's gotten dissed by two girls. Natalia's still Natalia, but they did have a cute scene. And Natalia did make a nice pitch to Jamie. So we'll let them be together at the bottom. Not a real diss, but someone's got to be there. Coming in at number six, it's our love triangle. It's Demi, Shauna, and Luke M. Yeah, I mean, look, is it the most exciting love triangle we've ever seen? Hardly, but it's good for a little bit of entertainment and we'll take it. And in at number five, it's the icy Mike and Priscilla. Yeah, I'm sad about them. I really hope they turn it around. I want to see them reunite because they are a power couple. Coming in at number four, Jess and Ched. Drama free. And he makes her breakfast. So we have to give them credit where credit's due. They are laying low, staying happy. And Jess kept her big mouth shut the whole episode. Coming in at number three, Callum and Molly. Like we said, the only reconciliation conversation that ended better than it started. Yeah, I wanted them at number two, actually. But I lost that argument. Only because at number two, Paige and Finn, they're a more established couple. And I think that they deserve to be... Yeah, you just love Paige and Finn. It's okay. You love them. You want to marry them. It's okay, I get it. But Callum and Molly, I think I think there's even an argument that they won the episode, but I really would have been very happy with them at number two. But, you know, I know where to push and where not to push. I just love Paige and Finn. I'm sorry. I may be a little unfairly biased in their favor sometimes, but suck it, Trebek. And now, coming in at number one, drum roll, please. Haven't done the drum roll in a while. I mean, if people can count, they'll know who it is. Shawnice and Luke T. 
And the reason they won the episode is for that conversation they had in the morning where they debrief about the argument, go through the good things that happened and realize that they're better off for it. We like to be funny. We like to be humorous. We like to mock people. But this is a really, really good example of how to relationship. And I want everybody who maybe doesn't have as much experience either with relationships at all or with good relationships to watch Shawnee's and Luke T and take notes. This is how you do it. Yeah. You listen to the other person. You try to empathize and understand why they are feeling the way that they are feeling. And you express your feelings in a way where you're not trying to attack the other person, right? Exactly. And also Finn, too, to his credit, does a really great job of being on the receiving end of some anger. Shawnee and Luke T are a better couple to watch in terms of relationship advice, but you can also learn a few things from Paige and Finn. Absolutely. We will continue learning next week. We're going to go through episode 30. Find us on social media. I'm at LBLI Podcast, and you can reach out there. I would love to talk to you. I'm at LBLI Peng, like Peng sort. I will acknowledge your existence if you acknowledge mine. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. That's your way of saying that you follow back. I'll respond to you if you at me or DM me, but I don't believe that the world needs to hear every one of my single thoughts. Oh, believe me. If I put all of my thoughts on Twitter, it'd be all I did all day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So yeah, you can email us, littlebitleaveitpodcast at gmail.com. You can go to patreon.com slash littlebitleaveit. Sign up to get stuff for money. Yeah, and well, you don't get money. You give us money and we, we will give you stuff like our private Discord password and you can hang out with us. We will talk about Love Island Season 7. We'll talk about reality TV. Yeah, we'll talk about other things too if you want. Okay, so on that note... From Staten Island to Love Island. Unbelievable scenes, Chef! <laughs> <laughs>